Hi, my name's Sam Bates and you are listening to How's That, the Cricket Podcast. How's that? You missed the bad, I caught you up. How's that? Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of How's That, the Cricket Podcast with me, Lily. And me, Ollie. So like we mentioned last week, if you tuned in, this week is a pre-recorded episode because I am on the other side of the world. I will be on the other side of the world. So yeah, we have not got any cricket to talk about this week. It is purely interview. Yeah. And obviously uh, you will be, as you're obviously still in Adelaide at the moment, but you'll be, I don't know, sunning yourself in Old Trafford or, or Lords or somewhere watching, watching a load of cricket, probably with Polly or, or doing something or you know, looking to complete your shirt collection. So uh, hopefully you'll be uh, you'll be enjoying that when, once it actually goes out. But, you know, for the moment, we've got another interviewee and another good one on the way. Yeah, we do. So this week we had a chat to Sam Bates, who is a Victorian cricketer and also plays for the Sydney Thunder and has done since the very first WBL. So she has been in and around that squad for, like we said, quite some time, eight years now. And well, leading on to eight years, if you include this year. But yeah, she was great, wasn't she? It was, it was really good to hear her cricket story and, and everything she's been up to. Yeah, it's quite a complex one, isn't it? Because she's she's bounced around at, at state level a fair bit, but she's been very, very loyal uh, in WBBL terms. So it was really interesting to you know, hear the, the, the juxtaposition between those two and the contrast between, you know, why she's been so loyal and, you know, with WBBL and why she's had to look for opportunities in WNCL terms. So it certainly was a very interesting interview. Yeah, so I guess we'll just jump straight into it. So enjoy the interview with Sam Bates. Sets herself early and drags it on. Bates comes on and gets the wicket. The Thunder well and truly on top. Welcome and thank you very much for joining us today. No worries. So if you could just start off by telling us where in the world you are at the moment and where you're kind of at with your cricket career. Yep, so currently as of today in um, Coss Harbour. Um, and yeah, so we're up here for a couple of practice matches. Um, but yeah, cricket career, it's, it's been a pretty long one. I've played, I think this is my 14th season of WNCL. Um, so I've been around for quite a while. So I grew up in a place called Newcastle, which is, it's about two hours north of Sydney. Um, pretty beachy, pretty relaxed kind of Bogan area. Um, and then, um, so just played kind of cricket there with the boys for a while. Um, and then when I was about 12, started playing in Sydney um, at a club called Northern Districts. Um, so played there on Sundays and the boys on Saturdays. Um, and then um, I kind of never really made any underage tournaments. I used to roll um, left arm medium pace back then um wasn't very good to be fair um and then um just by fluke um I kind of got um got picked up in this um it was called futures league um back back then it was like a second 11 um domestic team and I bowled pace there for ACT uh, for a season um did my ACL um playing soccer and um you know, rehabbing that back, I was quite, um, quite uh, impatient. So I ended up, um, the physio told me that I could actually just ball spin in, in the driveway and I was actually all right at it, quite liked it. So then came back to the futures next year, played um, bold spin and then got picked up for the medials um, as a 16 year old, uh, debuted that year, um, played for ACT for 10 years 
And then I, I jumped ship, went to Tasmania and played there for two years. Uh, didn't really enjoy my time there. Uh, and now I've kind of landed a gig in Victoria um, and this is my second season. Oh, that's great. I mean, look, you've given us like the whole wrap up there. You've gone through like a bunch of teams, but one that you have stuck with in the Big Bash is the Sydney Thunder, which, um, you know, you've been with since the very beginning. So you mentioned, you know, Tasmania and, and you've been with ACT and, and Victoria as well now. But what was it like to, to join up the first season with the Thunder and to kind of still be there now? What's that like for you with your experiences in the WBBL? Yeah, it was it was really surreal kind of, um, you know, the first big bash season. Women's cricket wasn't really professional then. Um, and so, you know, we we're kind of put front and centre. No one really knew how it was going to kick off. And you just had no idea what to expect. And we were kind of thrown in the deep end. There was, um, you know, a lot of media, a lot of kind of talk about will this go on and not. And it was just a pretty incredible experience the first season. Um, yeah, like I hadn't really kind of played against any of the the big dogs so like your Megs your your Perrys and all that sort of stuff so to to be out there playing against them it it was pretty cool and um being a part of a big bash you're pretty much like a family for two months of the year like you kind of you know um it's a roller coaster of emotions so you deal with the highs and the lows um especially in 01 because yeah like I said you just had no idea what to expect and um I actually um didn't play a lot of games I um I broke my arm four games in um, and um, was sidelined for the rest of the season. Um, but it was, it was still, you know, surreal to, to lift the trophy with them and um, yeah, I'd be up there, but I, yeah, I, I like the Thunder really um, a lot. Um, you know, like I've, I've seen them grow. I've seen people come through, people come out and, and watch kind of the young kids uh, these days um, come into the cricketers that, that they are now. So I, yeah, hopefully we'll finish my career there, but uh, you kind of never know um, in this professional world anymore. Yeah, it's, it's interesting when you spend so much time in the club, you just want to keep going or, or some, say, some cases you want to keep going and it seems like it's one of those in, in this one, a good sense of loyalty. Uh, just about the broken arm, you know, earlier on in the season or early on in the, the Big Bash career, the first season, four games in, you do your arm, horrible accident, the Thunder go on to then win it. Was that sort of a bittersweet feeling, sort of missing out on that that late season run? You know, happy for your teammates that they obviously did the job, but unable to be involved in a playing capacity. Yeah, definitely. Like it, it's something that you can't replicate, right? Like I, I've lifted the trophy. I had to wait a long time to lift the trophy again. I, I thought I'd do it the next year, um, but we we won it again in in '06. So it took another six years. But you're right. It was it was bittersweet. Like I definitely wanted to be out there on the park and. Um, definitely feel that feeling that you get um but it, it was still really nice to see all my teammates kind of out there and um lifting the trophy and was it a better feeling the second time in uh or the second time you won it with the with the thunder was it better because obviously you had an involvement in the final yeah definitely um it was that kind of whole season was um was surreal a little bit because we were in a hub you know COVID had obviously hit and we weren't really sure what was going to happen um and we went into it in a hub and I'm an extrovert um so I absolutely love people and the hub was just like an extrovert's paradise so I just had the best time in the hub and you know it was bittersweet to kind of lift the trophy at the end and um be a part of it finally. It's really interesting that you mentioned that about loving the Big Bash hub because that's quite the opposite of what a lot of other people that we've spoken to have have said they've said that you know it was really tricky and to kind of be isolated in that one area but by the sounds of it 
you quite enjoyed it and quite enjoyed your time there. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of us who did enjoy it, um, but yeah, like it was definitely an extrovert's paradise. Like you were in everybody's pocket every second of the day. Like sometimes you would enter the lift with someone who's just absolutely pumped you for, you know, 15 off you over. And you're like, I don't really want to like look at you right now. Um, but no, like you would go down to like um, dinner or lunch and you just find someone that you haven't kind of ever spoken to before. And I would just sit there and speak to them. So um, I remember I was saying to the girls actually today, like, um, when we won this, I wanted to win the semi, not to make the final, but just to stay in the hub another week. <laughs> so yeah, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, no, that's good. And I mean, there were loads of other like fun things to, I guess, keep you busy. Did you have any favorite activity that was provided in the in the hub while you were there? Yeah, well, the the golf simulator was was probably going to be a highlight for me, but it got broken really early on. Oh. Um, yeah, it, I think it was literally the first day it got broken, so um, it never really got resolved. Um, but to be honest, like um, as a as a Thunder group that year, we were really close, and so the funnest part was actually just stay on our level. Um, we would all kind of just. Um, come out into the hallways and just like muck around there and and have an absolute blast so that was probably where we yeah spent most of our time yeah no that's that's really good um it's good to hear that you had a enjoyable time but still I guess talking about your time with the thunder now like we said you have been in it since the very beginning more people have started watching over the years so do you see yourself I guess as a role model to these younger maybe specifically Thunder fans who have seen you throughout every single year you know is that is that a, how you see yourself in any way um, I think so like sometimes it is a little bit hard um you know like obviously getting older and aging and sometimes the, the role model kind of doesn't age with me and I kind of don't realize that you know these kids are looking up, up um to me but there is actually um one fan so I met him um at a um at like a, a big kind of clinic um in Big Bash 01 um his name's Connor and he has actually followed me every single year so um he comes to every single game um and you know it's quite funny just to like watch him grow up and you know come and watch me play like it's um uh, uh, yeah I just absolutely love it and I can tell that you know he does look up to me and um yeah yeah it's just good yeah that's brilliant to hear I love that going from WBBL01 to also going to where it is currently how much do you think uh, it's progressed throughout your years of being there what things do you think have really positively impacted the game and if there's any maybe negative effects um throughout the the seven going on to eight years that you've been involved you know what would they be yeah, I think um, the money's all like is probably the, the big factor. Um, when we first started, you know, our, our contracts literally ranged from like some girls were were playing for free, some girls were paying like playing for a thousand dollars. So um, it's ranged now to to a point where you can live off the money. It's definitely not where the boys is at, um, and, and it should be considering the amount of training that we do is the same amount, if not more, than the boys. Um, so that's probably where it needs to head um but another thing is it's the quality um you know like in I think um the first big bash final um it was 110 played 111 and now you're seeing scores of 180 240 um so yeah the level and exposure of it now like I think it's um it's it's really cool to hear 
um, that girls are getting into cricket because of their sisters, um, where it's, you know, when, when I grew up, it was, you know, my brother played, so I played. So it, it's really cool to kind of hear that side of things. Um, um, yeah, they're probably the two big things, I reckon. We said a couple of times you've been in it right from the start. Do you feel like a sense of, you know, happiness that you've been involved with the growth of not only women's big bash, but also women's cricket as a whole over the, the, the years that you've played? Yeah, like it's, um, I get asked this question quite a bit and, you know, people ask me if I've, um, you know, if I do wish I started playing now because it is professional. So, you know, I, I wouldn't have to have, have had three jobs to kind of pay for my cricketing career, but like, I actually, I, I've gotten both worlds. So I've gotten the, the world where, yes, you, I had to have three jobs, try and do uni to pay for my cricket. And, you know, I think that kind of gave me a fair bit of resilience in order to um, be the cricketer that I am now, um, you know. And so now it is professional. You see a lot of kids coming through and I think they've got a lot of pressure on them to kind of perform, especially the kids that go to school. Um, you know, they are getting paid this like, you know, lump sum of money to be a good professional cricketer, but they actually kind of enjoy their, their younger years. Um, so um, I definitely think it is an honour to be a part of 01 and to, to nearly play 100 games for Thunder in the Big Bash. And um, yeah, I just hope I can play a couple more years and see where it goes. Yeah, you're certainly on the right path too. I, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't be played in a few years and hopefully it is the case. Now, obviously we talked about how, you know, obviously most people you know, when you were growing up, got into cricket because of their brothers and not because of their sisters. How was that sort of for you, you know, on the, on the sort of pathway kind of thing? How did your, you know, your cricketing love start in a sense? Um, yeah, I think typical most country kids. My brother played, my dad played, my grandfather played. Um, my mum actually played a little bit of indoor cricket. So I think it was kind of always in, in the blood and stuff. And then... Um, yeah, I just I just went from there. I fell into a couple of um, a couple of teams just because I was a girl and I, I could play, and, and that's how it kind of was back then. If you could hold a bat, you kind of represented a, a certain level of cricket. Um, but yeah, I think the exciting thing is like I've always still got the love for cricket, and you know when I first started, you had to have the love for cricket because otherwise there was nothing keeping you there. There was no money, there was no incentive or anything like that. So um, yeah, I just think that's how the journey kind of evolved. And if you were to look back on that sort of, I don't know when you when you started playing, what, what age you sort of were, but when you look back, you know, now with the career that you've had, and you said before that, you know, a few years back you hadn't played against the likes of Perry and Villani or, or whoever it is, that you know, the stars of the women's game. Do you sort of look back and, you know, feel a little bit starstruck like you are that, that 10-year-old again when you, when you do come up against these players? Is that sort of element of, you know, this is amazing kind of thing? when you're coming up against these, you know, tides of a women's game? Yeah, I think so. I still get extremely nervous, you know, playing against all of them. And, and you know, I've played against them for, for 14 seasons now. So, um, yeah, definitely. Um, I never kind of saw myself being a professional cr cricketer, um, you know, to, so to, to be on the front stage for so long, it's pretty surreal and, um, yeah, still pretty nerve-wracking. <laughs> Yeah. Is, is there one of those moments, not to bring up like a, a bad moment or a bad memory, but is there one moment where a player's, you know, pretty much had your number where there's a, there's a star who's just, you know, giving you a, a torrid time of it and you just think, wow, you know, you can't deal with something like that? Yeah, there's definitely people that I get more nervous bowling to than others. And it's probably, um, it's most of the time left-handers. So, um, 
we actually today so I was bowling to to Georgia Redmayne today who's kind of um on the cusp of the Australian kind side and I just can never bowl well to her and she knows it so like if it's this literal battle of like me going no you can bowl to her 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 and her going I'm gonna pump you for six so um it was it was quite good today actually but yeah so there are still that yeah they're mainly left-handed um Smitty Mandana I cannot bolt her like literally if someone threw me the ball I would throw it to someone else because I'm like I, I, I've got nothing <laughs> yeah. it was funny enough you mentioned Georgia Redmayne because we spoke to Georgia Redmayne on the pod a few weeks ago so uh we've been in contact uh... with we may, we may have to mention it if we see her in a game this summer <laughs> No, don't, because it's like do this that. unwritten rule. It's like, yeah, wouldn't we don't do speak that. about it, but we both know. <laughs> no, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. <laughs> so, like you mentioned, obviously winning WBBL 06, uh, that was when Heather Knight had come over and, and played for the Thunder. So what was that like to play alongside Heather Knight, England captain? That must have been a pretty crazy experience. Yeah, like, I didn't really know what to expect from Heather. Like, you know, like, she's captained England, so you kind of, you know, have her on this pedestal and, and kind of, um, uh, you know, like, oh, is she just kind of going to do her own thing or whatever? And, like, she was just the most um, inclusive person. Like, I just think she's, you know, the perfect balance between um, being really involved in a team and, and bringing them up as well as being a captain and being a leader and trying to get the best out of them. Um, I think, you know our great leaders um Meg Rachel they are extremely good leaders but they kind of reserve themselves a little bit which is is perfectly fine but Heather just had this knack to just absolutely bring in a group together and you know like we played pranks on her the whole hub um you know like we wouldn't dream of playing pranks on like Rachel and and Meg so I yeah I can't get enough of her she was she's definitely a legend and, and definitely someone that I'm so glad I met yeah absolutely and She's obviously known for a batting exploits more than a bowling exploits. You, you know, vice versa. But did you take anything from from Heather's game that you could sort of implement into yours, be that on field or off field? Yeah, I think she um, she sweeps extremely well for for anyone really. Um, and in Australia, we don't sweep very well as players. Um, so either reverse or a traditional one. So I, um, yeah, I got her to try and teach me a little bit about reversing and stuff, not the um, kind of iconic batter, but she taught me a lot of that. And she just kind of taught me a lot about leadership and, and how to kind of balance between um, bringing a group together as well as being that leader. So it was probably more off field stuff, but I definitely learned a lot from her. Yeah. And she's the kind of player, isn't she, that, you know, we've never spoken to her, but you could just sort of tell that she is one of those who's got a wealth of knowledge and anyone who's, you know, able to listen to her, you're quite lucky in a sense because you're going to learn quite a fair bit to add to your game, um, both on and off field. But would you say that she's perhaps, uh, not to get, you know, to discredit any of the other teammates, is she one of the, your favourites playing with the Thunder or, you know, if she is, is there any others that, that go alongside? Um, She's definitely up there. I think, um, you know, there has been a lot of players that I've absolutely loved playing with. Um, but like Rachel Haynes is someone special and someone that I really enjoy playing with. Um, Rachel, uh, not Rachel, um, Renee Farrell is probably another one. She was um, kind of a role model for me growing up and definitely um, a diehard Thunder fan. So um, yeah, they're the, probably the two big ones, but Heather's definitely in, in the top three, top five. And you've uh, you've spoken about the the you know the the hub quite a fair bit. 
um, and the morale that you sort of had with the the Thunder players. Do you think that that morale sort of, you know, in the hub and beyond, so, you know, the years since then, have really pushed you on to become a really, really successful team as you have been over the years? I think so. I think what I've learned um, from playing um, a lot of years of Big Bash is it changes every single year. Uh, so you can have the exact same team you had last year, but team morale can be very, very different. Uh, so uh, we won it in 01 and I think we came second last in 02. We won it in 06 and we came second last in, in 07. So, um, but we had very similar teams in, in both setups. So um, I think overall team morale has definitely um, stayed the same and, and Cricket New South Wales has such a, a powerful uh, dynamic in the sense that they um, they produce really good players all the time. Um, so I think um, I think that's what kind of makes um, Sixes and Thunder quite successful. And I think we've uh, you know me being an English cricket fan, I, I've always said you know to credit Australia, it's so frustrating when you play Australia as an England fan is because they can just churn out so many quality players, um, and a lot of those come from New South Wales, uh, and that's just the way it's yeah. it's always been. Uh, yeah, we were actually speaking about that today. Um, you know, they've just got such a good underage platform and, and, and just continues to grow, which no other state can kind of catch up. But hopefully, hopefully one day we will. Now, so obviously talking still about, you know, playing for Thunder, you also now play for Victoria as well, like we mentioned before. What is it like juggling the two between the two seasons? Because, you know, a lot of players sign with the, the big bash side and then play for that state side as well. So what's it like to, to be split between the two most victorious cricket states? Yeah, it's definitely got its pros and its cons. Um, I, I do enjoy in the sense that um, I think at times if you're playing WNCL and you have the same big bash team, you only see the same stuff, which, um, you know, your knowledge doesn't really grow um, at the same rate. So that's why I quite like going to Thunder. I, I get a bunch of knowledge from them, which is different and, and no discredit to anyone, but it's just different kind of people and, and different conversations you have. So that's why I really, really like it. And that's probably why I've stayed with Thunder for so long. Um, but then, yeah, like, so um, I don't kind of um, see them at all um, until Big Bash comes around. So if I've kind of been working on stuff or something, I've got to kind of catch them up on the go and um, they haven't really seen me and stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I think the pros definitely outweigh the cons in the sense that, um, yeah, I just, I love seeing kind of different people, different environments and that sort of thing. Yeah, no, that's good. And I mean, does it make it a positive in any way that you play with these Victorian girls through the domestic setup and then come Big Bash when you're playing for Thunder, you know the, the ins and outs of your teammates from, from domestic tournaments and, and how they play. Does that work for you in any way? Yeah, um, it differs year to year. Sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I've got the upper hand. But then other times I'm like, there's actually 11 you and one, and one of me. So um, it doesn't really work out that way. But I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a very... Um, like I like a lot of footage I watch people's techniques so I'm very kind of technical and that sort of thing so yeah I think I probably have that upper hand in the sense that I know how to bolt them um but it's also one of those things that at times I'm like oh maybe I should like just keep this trick in in my pocket in case I have to kind of bowl it to them in um in big bash and stuff so there's a um there's a juggling act as well Playing for Victoria with me being an adopted Victorian, I would um, I would argue very strongly that you're playing for the best state in the country. Uh, some people may disagree, but um, 
you know it's just one of those things that we could sort of have but if you, if you ever fancied a, a darker shade of green you know you'd be uh, you'd be welcome down at the stars if you wanted to uh, align states and uh, and wbbl uh, bbl states if you like and um, i'm sure the stars would take you um and we'd um, we'd welcome you down at the g if you fancied a few games down there um but obviously you know victoria and new south wales traditionally going a long way back there's a kind of you know unstated rivalry between the two states has that ever come across playing across or having a foot in both camps or is it just something that's just not there? Yeah, I feel like it was there, um, you know, five, six years ago. But I think, you know, with the opening of, of Big Bash and people moving states quite a bit, Big Bash teams quite a bit, it's it's not really there anymore. I think the rivalries are between Stars, Renegade, Sixes, Thunder. I think that's where it, it kind of gets quite heated. Yeah, and how are those big games to play? Obviously, the Sydney Smash is, is one of the most iconic rivalries, you know, in the men's and the women's game. That you, do you prepare for those games any differently than you would, say, a, a game between Thunder and anybody else? Yeah, it, it's interesting. So over the years, like it's kind of with the Sixes, it's always gone one and one, and then maybe they've got one extra on us, and then the next year. But we do, we don't prepare differently, but we we talk differently because you know, um, as Thunder fans, we always um, oh, we always just lose the plot, um, and you know, Sixes always get a big score on us, and you know, no matter how many times we say, this is just another game, like just play it how it is, we always lose the plot. And we, like Rachel and I sit in the changes and we're like, it happens every single year and every single year we have no like clue why. Um, so yeah, just the chats are different um, and the preparation is the same. It's, it's an interesting insight when you look at it because you go, obviously it's a rivalry. It's a game that you want to win. Of course you want to win every game, but you know, the Crosstown rivals just seem to make it, you know, add a little bit of a, a spark to it in a sense. But if we go all the way back to uh, to one of the first games played the WBBL between the two teams, obviously it was the, the WBBL 01 final at the uh, the G um, that you managed to win and obviously you weren't there for. But do you reckon that, or you weren't playing, um, do you reckon that sort of really ignited the rivalries to say, we've got one over you, you know, what have you got back at us kind of thing? It definitely was for that year. I think, um, you know, especially like the girls playing in the breakers, like um, half could have gone back and said, you know, we, we've got the trophy, here we go. But then the Sixers then absolutely dominated the next few seasons. So they kind of had it over us and, um, and, and now it's kind of, you know, spread out a little bit with the trophies. It's finally gotten out of New South Wales. Um, but I, I honestly, yeah, I think it kind of started from that game. And, and that game, it was... Um, it was just an absolute disaster. You know, we won off wides and buys and, um, you know, just things that happened in that game never actually happened. So, yeah, definitely think it started from there. Definitely. It's not, it's a, not a bad way to assert dominance in a rivalry, though, is winning a final, winning the biggest game of the season um, in front of, you know, 100,000 100, seat stadium. It's, it, you know, you could do it worse. You could start worse in a, in a rivalry like that, but you've, uh, you've obviously... Done well. Is the, is the plan, obviously you mentioned to, you know, the plan was to stay at the Thunder. Is the plan obviously long-term to, to keep with Victoria or is that just a cross the bridge when you come to it kind of thing? Um. Well, I, there's two kinds of situations. Ideally, I'd love to stay at Victoria. Like I've, I've really enjoyed my time and um, like I think I'll continue to enjoy my time. Um, but you just never know in cricket. Like I would like to also stay at Thunder, but 
you know, again, you just you just never know. Um, you know, they could kind of come back to me and go, oh, we're just going to go down a different path and I kind of have to deal with that. So while I love to stay at, at both, I still never know. So we'll just keep that door open. Yeah, absolutely. It's a wise thing to do, keep everything, you know, keep options open and, and take it forward from there. But speaking of that Victorian team, is there anyone that you're really close with in that Victorian uh, dressing room, just to give us a bit of an insight, you know, behind the, behind the four walls? Well, to be honest, like I like we're a pretty close group. Um, I think my go-to person is probably uh, a McKinley Blows, actually. Um, but we kind of have this like um, this this banter, love kind of going on. So it's it's like a love hate relationship, I would say. Um, but yeah, I think her um, Ella Haywood and Reese, I kind of hang out with them quite a bit. Um, and I think Sophie Reed, who's kind of come into the group, I think she's very quirky and, and I kind of um, love catching up for coffee with her as well. Now, I guess talking about playing for Sydney, now you mentioned earlier about not doing too well in the WBBL season just past. What are you taking from that season uh, last year into this year's season? Yeah, I think... Um, I think when you're winning, luck's always on your side. And when you're losing, luck is never on your side. And, and we had, um, we lost Rach. So Rach, unfortunately, wasn't able to, to get into the state that we're playing in. And, um, you know, her partner just had a baby and she kind of had to, had to put family first. Um, and that kind of just kept, like, just kept snowballing out of, like, bad luck and stuff. And then we had some more injuries and, you know, just games that just didn't go our way. Um, so I think not much has to change, really. We've got quite a number of new faces this year um, who will hopefully kind of lift the team a little bit. Um, but I just think we just need to kind of get back to to us as a team. I think last year we were kind of worrying about too much about the opposition. And then when you lose a couple of games, you worry about the ladder. Um, when you lose a couple of games, like meeting, you have more meetings, you, you train more. And so I think um, just going back to our processes and, and understanding as individuals how we play, I think we'll put us in better stead for for the ladder and stuff like that yeah absolutely and would you say that's uh, similar to to the WNCL um or because it's obviously a different format have you got any different kind of plans and ideas or would you say it'd be relatively similar to that yeah I think WNCL would be quite unique this year so there's 12 games instead of six um, and we have our Aussie players for a lot more of those games. So there'll be a lot of players, more players kind of coming in and out, um, and we'll have, um, you know, really, really good leaders who can kind of um, show us how it's done out there. So I think it will be a little different. We'll kind of lean on them a little bit, learn from them, um, especially the younger ones. Um, but I think, again, yeah, you just kind of go back to your processes and, and just kind of worry about how you're going to play the game rather than how others are. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's completely fair now we've read up a bit and you've also uh, previously toured Sri Lanka with Australia A so what was that international cricket kind of experience like for you and how have you taken that into the games that you've played after that um yeah so I've played um on and off for, for Australia A a number of times now so um I've toured um yeah, toured Dubai, Sri Lanka and India. Um, and I was at kind of different kind of age groups in my life. So the first one I, um, like, it was pretty surreal. Like, again, like, I didn't really, like, think that I was going to kind of make it in cricket, let alone 
um, get to an Australia A side. And I was, I think I was quite overwhelmed and, and didn't really know how to handle it. Um, you know, all of this stuff was kind of coming at me and there wasn't really, um, you know, people in place to guide me. Um, so I kind of got dropped from that, um, then got picked up um, a couple of years later. Um, and again, like I think um, it was it was such a cool kind of kind of concept. We were in Dubai and we actually like um, um, had like a stand, sandstorm come through and got most of our games actually cancelled, which was was pretty sad. Um, but I think the most memorable one was was India. Um, it kind of um, it was it was right before all of the Indians um, came out to the big bash, and, and it was such a cool insight to see how cricket kind of works over in India, and just how um, you know like the fans and, and all that, like how they kind of interact. And and I definitely wouldn't be able to have that without kind of traveling over there. Um, but um, I actually came back with a little bit of the yips from when I played in India. So we ended up playing um, the Indian side and I got absolutely pumped. This was when Mandana, she absolutely took me to town. Like, uh, she, I think she took like 30 off one over of mine and I just lost the plot. Um, and so I came back and, and didn't know how to bowl, actually forgot for a little bit. Um, but luckily enough, I, I ended up actually, it was when I was playing for ACT and I played uh, Victoria and, and took a couple of wickets and, and kind of got my groove back. But um, yeah, definitely kind of highlights of, of my cricket and career. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and you mentioned playing in India there, but what is it kind of like, crowd wise for the women's cricket was there a lot of people there or is it um yeah like it kind of is over here with you know your patches here and there yeah it was um like it, it's kind of what you expect in the IPL and for the women's game now it, it was like Australia A versus, versus India A at one stage and it was absolutely packed out like we were at this kind of ground that it, it didn't hold any seats or anything like that but you had like it was like sardines like you couldn't move and you know all these people are coming out to watch and this was kind of you know at a time where big bash wasn't wasn't huge and and all of a sudden you've got you know like hundreds and thousands of people watching you um and like you know kind of didn't really know how to take it to start with but it was yeah definitely a cool experience yeah well that's pretty crazy to hear that even like for you know a kind of games that it's that mm. busy is yeah pretty insane and in terms of uh, obviously you played against uh, Shmiti Mandana, who was one of those that, you know, you mentioned who had a fairly decent Commonwealth Games just just gone. And was there any other players that you, you sort of played against you're thinking, wow, you know, either at the time or have gone on since then to have uh, good careers at international level yeah. even? Um, yeah, so when I played in India, Jemima Rodriguez, so she wasn't kind of like a, a big person then and, and she batted amazingly against us like you know hit a bunch of runs and she would have only been I think 15 maybe 16 um and I remember kind of saying to a couple of the girls like she's kind of got to go on and, and be something special and, and she is she's absolutely dominating kind of the Commonwealth Games and the 100 at this stage so I think she was probably a key one back then and you've talked about getting the the, the uh experience overseas is there a yearning to still, you know, play more cricket outside of Australia and potentially get a full Australia cap, or is that something that's not really uh, worrying you at this stage? Yeah, I think um, I think playing for Australia is always there, and it's always kind of been a passion of mine ever since I uh, got to this level and stuff. Um, you know, but realistically, I, I probably think the goal's not there. Um, I'll definitely put my hand up and say yes if if I get selected. Um, but I did actually spend um, a couple of months over in Scotland playing um, over there. And, and 
like that was pretty cool. I kind of went over there on my own back and um, played um, played a couple of, of games with the Scotland girls, which was um, an amazing experience to um, to see how far behind cricket is for them and to see how in front cricket is for us. Um, but I, I'm hoping to kind of do that a lot more rather than I suppose um, wait for Australia to come to me. I'll, I'll just go and and search out a couple of uh, different countries to play in. So you said that Scottish women's cricket was quite a fair way behind. What was, so could you elaborate on that in a sense, like how far behind or what was it actually like going into, going into Scottish cricket? Was it a skill level thing? Was it, you know, an actual want for, from a fan's point of view to, to watch cricket? Was it the players? Was it, you know, the pathway? What, what do you think was the main thing that stood out? Honestly, like, I think it's, it's all of the above. Like, I think, you know, there are the girls that play for Scotland are quite passionate about it and, and do it, like, absolutely love playing for their country, but they just don't know how to, um, you know, it, it, they don't get paid any money. They have to take time off work to go overseas and play in all of these competitions. Um, they don't have a real pathway at all. Um, it's just kind of, um, yeah, like, people, I suppose... Um, that can hold a bat at one point. They've only got four four teams out of the whole country that play, um, and yeah, the funding's just just not there. Like it's it's catch twenty two. So they need to kind of go to these competitions, win them to get the funding, but they can't get there because they don't have the funding to create good players to to win them their games. So they're kind of at that level where it's just it's a never winning winning cycle kind of thing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's, and like we said, obviously Australia are, are very ahead in that sense where it's been happening for quite some time. So people here are, are quite lucky without real, really realising, I think, because, yeah, there are other countries who have it probably a lot more trickier. But um, looking forward to the upcoming season, what are you most looking forward to about WNCL and WBBL? Um, WNCL, definitely just being able to play 12 games, um, I think, um, sometimes it takes you a, a bit of time to get into it. Um, so, you know, it could take you maybe four games to kind of just feel your way into 50 over competition. And then by the time you feel your way in, your season's done. Um, so it, it'd be really cool to actually have like a proper kind of home and away season again and, and to have 12 games to really learn and understand your game. Um, and, and the big bash, like T20 is kind of where where my cricket's at and the the format that I absolutely love. So um, like, I'm just looking forward to kind of getting back into the Thunder Colours, um, playing cricket with some some pretty cool people um, and just seeing where we can go this year. Yeah, no, that's super exciting. And just with the with the WNCL, obviously you're going to play a lot more cricket this year in the WNCL. Um, I assume you'd be a massive fan of that, you know, playing more cricket, but how think how good do you think that's going to be for, for Australian cricket in general, for maybe even selectors to, to you know, have a wider sample size for, for these players yeah I think it's 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 great and I think it goes beyond that I think um you know as professional players um the biggest asset for us is is money and um you know like I say we we have enough to live off but you can't um you know you can't do much more than live off the money we kind of get so to have to have 12 games you you're going to need a bigger squad. You're going to need more funding. Um, so it, it kind of brings in all those elements as, as well as getting more girls exposed because um, you're going to have to rest players and that sort of thing. So it's, it's yeah, it's just moving the game so far forward than it has been before. 
Yeah, and uh, in terms of your goals for this upcoming season, obviously you've got WNCL, a lot of games played for Victoria. You've got the big bash, you know, in an individual sense and a team sense. What are your aspirations for the upcoming summer? Um, I just I try and keep this quite simple. I think in, in past years I've really overcomplicated it and, and I've tried to, to be someone that I'm not. So I just try and go into the season being really simple, bit of cliches like take one game at a time and, and just do my role. My role is kind of, you know, um, bring in dots, bring in wickets, um, kind of be, be a bit of neat and tidy. So that's uh, that'll be my role this year and, and hopefully it kind of kind of bring out more more wins for the season. Brilliant. Love the cliches. Absolutely yeah. love it. Now, to kind of wrap up our interviews, we have a nice little segment of uh, quick fire questions that we like to do. Okay. So we've got a couple of lists here, some cricket related, some completely not. So for the first one, we have got beach or backyard cricket? Oh, backyard. Pretty quick answer there. Um, now, <laughs> what is your favourite shapes flavour? Oh, um, pizza. Yeah, good. Um, now, favorite film? Oh, I am a massive Harry Potter fan, so I'm gonna have to say Harry Potter and probably the sixth one. Okay, yeah, good shout. Uh, now, WBBL or WNCL? WBBL. Yeah. Favorite cricket ground to play at if you had to choose one? <sighs> um, probably Monica Oval. Good choice. Um, now, would you rather hit three sixes to win a game or take a hat trick to win a game? Oh, three sixes. <laughs> T20 or test cricket, just in general? Oh, T20. Yeah, thought that'd be the answer. Do you classify porridge as a cereal or not? Oh, great question. I love porridge. I'm going to say no, I wouldn't classify that as a cereal. That's the right answer. There's a bit of a debate. Ollie thinks it is, and I'm like, no. It's oh a breakfast, it's sure. not cereal. I, no. I had to think about it. I, I'm also an obsessive... <laughs> porridge lover and I was like just thinking about it because it's not a question that I've been asked and so I was like is it isn't it <laughs> not sure yeah it's a great question. I'm gonna ask the girls that yeah <laughs> <laughs> um now if you were on millionaire hot seat who wants to be a millionaire whatever one that is over here um who would be your phone a friend or oh, definitely my dad he knows a lot of knowledge about nothing <laughs> the random general knowledge yeah. <laughs> oh I yep. love it um, now what is your favourite cuisine or oh, Mexican oh interesting love it yeah um, mm -hmm. and then finally pineapple on pizza yes or no no god no Ooh, okay that's two in a row now two in a row knows. yeah two in a row <laughs> what's your um, go to pizza topping choice oh meat as much meat as you can can put on there Fair enough. Meat lovers. There you go. Um, yeah. yeah, no, but that's that's it. That's all the questions. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Uh, really, really appreciate your time. All the best with all your upcoming cricket. I'm sure both Ollie and I will see you, whether it be in Melbourne or Adelaide uh, in the upcoming season. So, yeah, looking forward to that. And, and thank you again. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been great. Sets herself early and drags it on. Bates comes on and gets the wicket. The Thunder well and truly on top. So that was Sydney Thunder star Sam Bates, a wonderful interviewee. Again, you know, just showing how wonderful she is. And, you know, Sydney Thunder fans, you know, all across me, you know, even Sydney and beyond worldwide will appreciate how good Sam Bates has been for them and will hopefully continue to be for them as we move into this uh, summer cricket coming up.
yeah absolutely um like usual look forward to seeing her down at some Karen Rotten games well not even Karen Rotten it'll be at Nuri Upta um in the Brossa for us because Sydney Thunder don't play at Karen Rotten so yeah look excited to see the Thunder live again but yeah like we said really good interview and and another brilliant person to talk to that brings us to the end of this week's episode. We really hope you enjoyed listening. We will be back next week with a, another episode with Lily Mills, who plays for the Scorchers and was in the Scorchers winning squad last year and also plays for the WA national team. So that'll be next week. But in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or TikTok at TCP, or you can send us an email at howsatthecricketpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is all from me. Yeah, and likewise, um, hopefully you enjoyed this uh, this next week of cricket, and hopefully you've got a bit of cricket to talk about while uh, while we obviously don't. How's that? You missed the-